Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In the age of online retail, buying a car should be no different. That's why Carvana invented a brand new way to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made a purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door. Or you can pick it up from one of their coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy ensuring you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check out the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com. There's an underdog story happening today in America. Small businesses are fighting to make a comeback, but in the moment they have the least, they're giving the most. They're rallying communities and neighborhoods, yet asking for little in return. Well, it's time we gave back. Small Unites is making it simple for everyone to take action and support the small businesses that unite us all. Find out how you can donate, shop, and share today at smallunites.org. Hey, Collider fans, it's Josh Nepp from the Heroes Podcast. You can support this show by taking a quick five-minute online survey to help keep this show free to download with minimal advertisements. Your responses will help connect advertisers to our audience so you can hear about products and services that matter to you. The survey is short and completely anonymous. Just visit podcastone.com slash mysurvey and fill it out. It can be completed in under five minutes. Thanks for all your continued support of Collider and all of our great podcasts here on Podcast One. Let's take a quick break. You know it's one of my favorite things to do, post-dancing rehearsal. Not going to lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away, which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rum Haven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality shows back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some rum haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. What's up, sweaties? It's Monday. It's episode 256. You're watching Collider Heroes. Today, we're going to talk about the Batman. We're going to talk about DC and Hall H, and we're going to talk about Luke Cage. That's right. Season two of Luke Cage. I'm going to whisper now, and you'll never be able to stop me from whispering. You better listen very closely. Never getting old, is it? Hey, guess what? I'm getting it's old. Getting older. I like that. Yeah. Diamond. Yeah, a little, little pre whisper for you. I've seen off screen, it's just face palms now. I yeah. love it. We've worn them down. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, everyone's like, hey, man, you better stop whispering. <laughs> How many podcasts do you think have started whispering since then? We got to find like no. some deep geek other sweaties that started ASMR, the you know, it's like, uh, Yeah, what's up, guys? Hi. How's it going, man? Um, we're going to get into it, man. But before we do, I want to talk about some t shirts. That's right. The people, the geniuses here at Collider have started up. Look over there, wherever it is. There it is. Full screen. You got some T-shirts. 
come in a bunch of different colors. And look, there's a Heroes t-shirt. You can get a Heroes t-shirt. Uh, I think you should get one immediately. You can order those t-shirts for 20 bucks, and they're going to be available for pre-order at that Las Vegas Comic-Con that a lot of us will be at this coming weekend. So definitely make it, especially for Friday. I'm going to pimp it twice. But right now, 6 o'clock on Friday is the Collider Heroes panel. So be there or be whispering in a corner crying. You can miss it. So it's in Las Vegas. Let's get into this right now. Let's talk about the Batman. So, uh, look, we're hearing a lot of things, a lot of rumors, a lot of people talking about things. And I wanted to bring it up because it's fun to talk about. We don't know. We've got friends in weird places, corners, weird corners, <laughs> wedging corners, crying. A lot of them are. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with crying. It's okay to cry. But you know what I don't want to cry about is Ben Affleck playing Batman. I would like to see him play Batman again in a Batman film. I feel like a broken record. I've said it so many times. And I've also said I'm tired of talking about it, which I've also said a million times. But I'm not t- tired of talking about the Batman. He's one of my favorite characters. And uh, we've heard that Matt Reeves' storyline is going to focus on a younger version of Batman and Bruce Wayne, i.e., you know, obviously that would mean recasting. Um, but now we're hearing that it's going to take place way back when Batman first started, kind of a little after a year one type thing, before he met Superman, before he met Wonder Woman, before the Justice League, before Ben Affleck. So when I started to put two and two together, then a couple of these other people, like Elf Fanboy Podcast, broke out some stuff. I'll just quote it a little bit. So essentially they want to develop this Batman movie as if it's a reboot and it's also all new. But they're not going to make any overt statements. They're just going to say it's a new movie about a younger Batman. Uh, when does it take place? It could take place in the DC film universe. It could take place in a completely new pocket universe, their black label or whatever the hell they're calling it. But I really feel that this is kind of a smart play because you get to reboot the Batman and take it out of the Christopher Nolan Batman, the, all the older Batmans, and make a new Batman for this new DC film universe. And also kind of rebrand the Batman, whoever's playing it. And I still think this is, there's a way to get Ben, a- ben Affleck in there, i.e. as in an opening and closing segment where he's actually, we've talked about Batman Beyond. We've mm-hmm. talked about all these kinds of things like, is he talking to Alfred? Is he, there's a way to, uh, to basically bookend this story about a younger Batman being told by an older Batman played by Ben Affleck. I think that wouldn't be too confusing. It doesn't have to look exactly like you know Ben Affleck does now. If they wanted to do it, they could do a weird you know, CG face replacement. <laughs> I think that would be a bad move. Would it be too confusing to see a Ben Affleck older Batman do a wraparound for a younger Batman, Amy? Uh, it's an interesting thought. I would tend to say, unless they are dead certain that it is going to fit into that established continuity, I wouldn't do the wraparounds. It's not that I think it would be confusing, but I think it would take something away from, like, when we hope that in 50 years people are popping on their, like, I loved the 2021 Batman or whatever. Right. Um, I, I, I want it to, if it's supposed to stand alone, I want it to stand alone. Now, I mean, I could totally eat my words. They could do a wraparound scene and I'll be like, this cost us nothing and was super cool. And now I can imagine whatever version of continuity I want. But my, my first instinct is, unless you're sure that it fits into continuity, we don't need it. How about this? We age Ben Affleck up to his late 70s with makeup, make him a Batman Beyond, and he's talking to the younger Batman telling him his first story. What do you think? So what I was thinking was you go trilogy. You got your wraparounds for a trilogy, and your first one is like Scott Snyder's Court of Owls, and you have Batman talking to Alfred. This Batman, you got Ben Affleck, flashback to whoever they get, like Robbie Amell or someone to be young Batman. Robbie's gunning for it. Get it, Robbie. Uh, So (laughs) you got that world, and then you flashback. But then by the third movie, you got Ben Affleck actually aging seven or eight years in real time. Mm. Then you age him up so it's more of a progression. And then the 
the third movie's Batman Beyond, and then you introduce your Terry McGinnis. So you can actually do keep Batman in your continuity, and the blessing is Wonder Woman and Superman are his two main compatriots in the world right now. One of those is an alien, one of them is a god. So their age doesn't reflect Batman's. So if you go back to a past tense Batman, you can have cameos like DC wants. You can have world building. Like, hell, Wonder Woman 84 takes place in 84. So if you want to do these flashbacks, Gal Gadot can be there as her, so her age doesn't reflect Batman. So I think it's a great opportunity. I also think that it could land us Terry McGinnis, which is what we've all wanted, and it can give us the continuity of, look, we know you liked Batfleck. It didn't work out for this reason. Let's honor that while still giving us a new Batman. So I'm, I'm full support. Love it, but is it too sweaty? Because I'm, it's real I'm like, sweaty. That's like extra deep. Like, I felt like I'm like, I was moist, and now I'm like on some kind of weird floating. I'm in a sea of sweat. Like, what happened? Because that's like, that's some deep cuts. There. Those are super deep cuts. And I wonder about how deep they want to go. If they want to be like, look, everybody loves Batman. Let's get them a Batman movie, not connect it to all this other stuff. Let's get a fresh reboot of Batman. And if we want to slide it into this continuity, it'll kind of work. Because if you're going back 20 years, Ben Affleck is in his 40s. Say you shoot back 20 years, so it's a Bruce Wayne in his 20s. You're talking about 2004. <laughs> like 2008, 2000. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying like it's sort of like oh, that's God. 10 years ago. So it's like 1998 is 20 years ago. Yeah. So you're like talking about like the the he's late gonna 90s. He's going to go see Batman Begins in theaters. Yeah, literally, he's going to go Batman and Robin is what he's going to go. He see. can watch American Psycho with yeah. other Batman Christian Bale. Yeah, he's in line with the fa- he's in line for the Phantom Menace. Like I heard about this new Star this Wars. Movie. I don't know if they're going to want to timestamp it like that or not. Um, but, you know, even talking it through, it probably makes more sense that they don't include Ben Affleck because it could be con- kind of confusing. But if they want to stay with this universe and it seems like they're going to with Aquaman, Wonder Woman, The yeah, Flash, it'd be weird if everyone Shazam, else was. <laughs> Superman, I feel like, yeah, everyone else is kind of moving forward. And we'll talk about Superman a little bit later. But I feel like with this Batman film that it's like 20 years earlier, it feels like it'll be like a strange anomaly. And they're already doing this kind of weird stuff with a Joker from the eighties and like some already set what could be semi confusing for a normal audience where I feel like if they want to present a unified front, I think it's the smart play to keep Ben Affleck involved, at least even for one movie. If it's like, maybe he's on his deathbed. Mm. And he's doing a flashback story that introduces this version of Batman where we can just the next movie you don't have to have that, you know, wraparound, but an easier way for us to be like, oh, this is part of this universe. I don't know. I mean, I hope that we see that happen. I think it'll depend more on, on for me, I, I want to know if they've firmed up their plans for the rest of Gotham. Like with Birds of Prey, Batgirl, and maybe it comes back Nightwing right. in the mix. Right. Those are the things where like that's what I would want to coordinate. Like, know whether your Batman film is tying in with those, is laying, like, flashbacking to those. That, that's the question I would want settled as you figure out what you're doing with Batman. And don't you feel that it's really important? I, I, at least I think that DC should really, like, lock Ben Affleck down to, like, look, we know you don't want to direct this, and the, you've got one movie left in your contract. But if they are proceeding with Birds of Prey and a Joker film and other characters that directly came from the birth of the Batman, don't you think that just like they did with Suicide Squad to have Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and Batman in that film to make appearances, albeit we'd want a bigger appearance, I'm sure, for something like the Joker, the yin to his yang. I feel like you want to have that. So if 
you know, whether that'll happen or not, we're still just, you know, wishing or hoping or trying to make sense of a universe that's kind of wobbling around. Do you think that's even possible for them to make a bigger statement, say, at Hall H? I think that this gives them the opportunity to do exactly that. Like, I think Ben Affleck is the chronology we have right now. This this appeases the Zack Snyder cut pit fans. This appeases the people that want it to evolve. This, this really allows you to also introduce Batgirl in the Ben Affleck scenes. You could say, yes. hey, this is an established universe. This is in the future. This is Batgirl. And then you have a spinoff Batgirl movie without people being like, you need Batman first without Batgirl. So if you do a flashback movie and have the bookends, you introduce all the characters you want in the Bruce Wayne section that is the Ben Affleck Batman we know, that gives you the opportunity for the killing joke with the spinoff movie. That gives you the opportunity for a Batman Beyond. It gives you the Court of Owls option. It gives you a Penguin option. It gives you a detective option. Like This bookend thing can go as sweaty as we're describing, and it can be as mainstream linear as you want because you got Batfleck. It also gives you you the storyline for the Joker movie, which involves Robin and how they kind of tied that in with BBS, which we have no answers yet that those should be the answers that lay in the Joker movie. So I I feel like hopefully the DC people are watching our show. Memento this thing. Play with chronology. These are some pretty smart ideas, I gotta say. (laughs) Um, I think so. You know what? We're hopefully gonna see a lot of these ideas come to fruition at Hall H. It's a mere few weeks away at San Diego Comic-Con. So first thing we heard, Gal Gadot is showing up and she's gonna be bringing with her some footage. Like, I don't know if it's going to be a teaser trailer or if it's going to just be some cool-ass footage of her flo- floating around on the streets that we've seen already on YouTube. Like, what's happening? Like, you see her, like, kind of, like, floating around. Like, she's in an Invisi car or an Invisi jet that's a lowrider. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's going on, but the footage looks great. I'm like, we saw her running. Like, is she chasing the cheetah? We don't know what's going on, but that the footage looks fantastic. James Wan's already said the official debut of the Aquaman trailer will be in Hall H for the DC presentation now. And then Sandberg is saying uh, the trailer for Shazam is going to be showing up as well. So those three movies that we've known are coming at the end of this year, Aquaman, and then Wonder Woman and Shazam next year, those are the three that we definitely know about. I think we'll finally get some day and dates for The Flash. We're going to get some day and dates for a lot of other movies, but I specifically think we're going to get day and dates for Superman and the Batman. I think mm-hmm. those are the, 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 you know, of the three characters besides Wonder Woman being one of them, it's Batman and Superman. Those are the, the three characters that are kind of the tentpole characters of the DC comic book universe. And they're just not, you know, they've been kind of floating around and being like, see what else we could throw at the wall. And I know a lot of people are saying, don't use those characters, use these side characters. I disagree. I think they're already doing a good job with these side characters, and especially with the DC streaming service, which we'll get into in a minute. Uh, I feel like that's perfect, but you want to establish these core characters. You already got a good Man of Steel. Let's get that Superman sequel that all of us want. What do you think about what we've just been talking about? Oh, I'm excited for all of it. Uh, we we know now that we're sort of, we at least we feel from the outside, much closer to a Green Lantern announcement now mm-hmm. that we know that Jeff Johns is like working on that and putting totally. it on his website. Uh, like that seems like it's going to happen. Um, we're probably, I, I would respect it if they decided not to announce a date this summer. If things, they're like, we're in the middle of Wonder Woman. We're not started on that. That like, it'll draw focus. Right. I can hold off on that. Uh, but like, I hope we get, we should get a date for Flash for sure. I cannot wait for these trailers. I am just going to start counting the days till Wonder Woman 2. Um, I feel like an idiot because we had actually discussed on the show before. when We were like, are they going to go with Wonder Woman 84 as a name? And then they put those, the art out and it was like, oh, it's hashtag WW84. Obviously, they need to establish that hashtag because I swear we had talked about this on the show and I had totally forgotten. But like, you're never going to own the Google results for WW2. 
<laughs> right. Nor yeah. should you. Right. That's, that's um, been so used. really smart move. Yeah. WW84. Right, because no one's going to be like, World War 84. Remember when that happened? <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah. Uh, Shoulder pads. Yeah, so that, that whole thing is making tons of sense. Um, I'm, I'm just, I am so excited to have tangible stuff to look forward to from the DC Universe. I can't wait to see these trailers. Um, and I, I'm less needing a Superman date than the rest of y'all, but I will be very happy if they put it out there. You know what? Even if they don't announce a date, I just want to hear the team of Chris McQuarrie and Henry Cavill. That's what I want. Yeah. Hopefully they're making that happen. What do you think? Because you're right. It's the Trinity. I think we've been so excited about these exact announcements. How many weeks have we gone? Like, I hope we get Aquaman, right. Wonder Woman, and then Shazam. Months. And yeah. now, like, literally the goal has happened, and I still think we'll get Man of Steel. I now think our secret's going to be Green Lantern. I think that, like, with the Jeff Johns announcement, we'll finally get this amazing slate of DC. Like, the fact that the last few weeks have just been ramping up with more DC good news, more DC hype mm-hmm. at Comic-Con, all the things that, like, three months ago we were like, what if right. are actually coming to fruition? Like, Hall H might be their giant D23 expose. Like, that could be this this big thing. So... I'm really excited for DC. I really, really want like all three of these movies to show the new direction they're going in. I want to feel this new DC tone. I'm really excited for the fact that they have three movies that are like one, two, three, just like coming at us. Like they can reestablish everything because they finally laid a groundwork that is stuff we want. Yeah. So I can't wait. With this new slate, though, I, one thing I really want, though, because every Hall H, there's been like, check out this graphic for a logo that nothing happens with. Yeah. So we've seen that already. Uh, I want to say three years in a row, like a lot of announcements. With cool, like, oh, cool, they're going to make a movie of that character. Well, this one has replaced it. I know, but then what about now? And here's another one. Don't disregard the last three years, now this one. So what I want is creative teams Mm -hmm. and dates. That's what I want. I want to know who's making it, who's writing it, who's directing it. We already know who's starring in it. If they're keeping the actors that they've established in the DC universe so far, I want days and dates and names and talent. That's what I want. So it's like, that way it's sort of like, I do want them to commit. That's me. I'm like, look. You know, it's been five years since Man of Steel. I've been waiting for a Man of Steel 2 because I liked that first film. Yeah. Didn't like a lot of the other things they did, but I think that there's it's never too late to course correct, and I feel like that's what they're in the midst of doing. And by doing that, that's a way to course correct the fans. Yeah. And I feel like the, a lot of people I've talked to who are even outside of the whole comic book world don't really are not really interested in the DC universe anymore. It's more like they've turned into what you would want to call a Marvel zombie because, ah, screw DC. Why do they think that? Well, a lot of people don't read comics feel that way because of the way the movies have come out. So if you're a comic book reader, then you know how great DC is. Mm. If you're not, then you're only going by certain things like a lot of other people love the animated work of DC, so that brings them up. So it's like these weird kind of worlds that we all know about, but maybe a lot of people outside don't. They just judge it by like Marvel versus DC, and then look at how much money Marvel's made versus DC and the failures of DC, this and that. It's like I think that's very unfair, and I'm you know I'm kind of rooting for DC to make a big comeback because I want to see that happen. And Comic Con's the best time, like Comic Con and this slate especially, like with with the amount that they have to show, it is their Comic Con. Like yeah. this is the biggest thing there, and I'm so excited for it all to go well. Yeah, well, hopefully it does. You know what just popped off? Luke Cage season two. So we got. We've been talking about Luke Cage season two since season one dropped. We're like, when is when are we getting a season two? Because the first half of Luke Cage season one was awesome. The less said about the second half, the better. But you know what? <laughs> those first six episodes are a lot of fun, and there is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be watching those to catch up with. You just can end it kind of as I think 
episode six or seven is where you could be like, that's kind of true. Let's see what happens in season two. Kinda, <laughs> or just jump right to the 13th episode and just watch that one. Just to be like, how did this thing end? <laughs> really, you can do that because you can kind of fill in the pieces like, oh, that character. Oh, this other thing happened. So kind of can fill it in. Um, I actually have gotten through four and a half technically. Like uh, we were talking before the show, I watched three, and then the fourth one I kind of because it was late at night dozed off, woke up while the fifth one was starting, <laughs> and then fell asleep again. So now I have to rewatch the episode four and five. But uh, I really enjoyed it, and I feel like this this season is similar in co- in tone to Jessica Jones, but in a different way. And when I say that, I mean that with 13 episodes, I mean, I think the biggest complaint that anyone out there has about any of the Netflix shows is that they're kind of, everyone says they feel drawn out. They feel very long, or they feel like, why is it taking so long to get to X or to get to Y? I feel like the cool thing is if if you watch the Netflix TV shows in this way, I think you'll enjoy them more. Don't get so worried about the story. And don't get so worried about, like, where is it going? What are they trying to tie together? It's more about a series of scenes that do tie together just like real life. Like, we're all hanging out talking about stuff. Mm. I don't know what they're going to say, but in a few minutes they're going to say something. <laughs> and I know that they're going to say something because I'm going to be – I'm going to – hey, and they're not just going to sit there like this. <laughs> I, I know that they probably will most likely. Unless, I, I know. Now you know, we're so tempted. Unless, <laughs> unless they want to screw with me. But I'm just saying pretty much sure that they're going to talk about Luke Cage in some way, shape, or form. But that's just natural. And I feel like this, the natural breaths and tone of, of people talking about situations and scenarios, that's how they, they wrote Jessica Jones mm-hmm. with a bend on certain issues. And that's how Luke Cage is moving forward, too, with a bend on certain issues. And the story is slowly progressing and coming together. Now, it's not like an action movie that you see, which is 90 minutes, where you have Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, and all, every scene has to be catered to moving the, the story forward. There are scenes that can just breathe. There are scenes that can just be about Misty Knight having no arm. And I found that I, I found myself enjoying those moments quite intensely because it's like no other movie mm-hmm. can afford those moments. Imagine if you had Avengers Infinity Wars, but it was 13 episodes. Mm. You would have so many more scenes with Rocket Ra- Raccoon just hanging out on the on, on, on you know on the, on a ship talking to Groot, maybe hanging out with Thor, them bonding and little sweet rabbit. Oh, you mean like a comic book? Like, like a comic book, Coy. <laughs> like exactly like a comic book. <laughs> now have I to- have I convinced you all to read comics? Now get thee to a store. Yeah. Let's talk about this. So Luke Cage, Coy. Let's start with you. I think it's so much like a comic. I think that Netflix does an amazing job. Where like the first the first introduction to Netflix Marvel with Wilson Fisk having as much screen time as Daredevil was brilliant. We were just as invested in Wilson Fisk as we were Matt Murdock. Mm-hmm. And I, that's when I was like, oh, long form television is the future. Yep. Like I, I've loved like the golden age TV. Don't get me wrong. Like breaking bad and like breaking bad changed my life. But with comic books, when you serialize comic books into this format, you have so much more room to breathe. Like you were saying. So I love that they invest just as much in supporting characters as the lead characters. Mm-hmm. I love that when I think of like Hogarth or when I think of foggy or when I think of like all of these characters, I'm like, Oh, that arc they had completely separate of our lead was just as important to me as the title character. And then when they interact with the title character, it feels like the Avengers. We are like, they're going to meet up. Yep. So you get all hype about those moments. Cause that's 
what a comic is. It's like reading a, a team up or an annual. All of a sudden you're like, oh, look at them. This is because of the groundwork here and here. And Luke Cage is doing that amazing thing where the pace is up to par with real life. So you're never like, why are they talking? But you're also like, oh, this is going to lay some groundwork later. And I'm not worried about where this lands because I'm just invested in these characters. So Luke Cage has done a great job showing how cool Luke Cage is in like 30 seconds because he's Luke Cage. Right. I love all of the pimp slap fighting uh like that's just the cool because it makes sense like he can't be hurt and he would hurt someone so if he much punched he somebody, their head would fall so fly he, just, off. he yeah. just walks through the first few episodes just handling people yeah just and like <laughs> knocking them literally slapping them into unconsciousness yeah, yeah. And, and like Black. it's just so smart and i'm really enjoying like how effortlessly cool it feels i'm only three in i love bushmaster i love the way the show feels i like watching them slow i'm not like i want to watch them all in 13 hours straight so i really enjoy yeah. doing two or three at once yep. enjoying it and it feels like a comic book like i all the time whenever a new netflix series drops i just go like what did we do to deserve this yeah. yeah and i think you're right i think i think especially with these new series like jessica jones season two and luke cage season two they're not meant to be binged like i'm gonna watch all 13 of 13 yeah. of them you should watch like three at a time like i feel like in order to soak in them the right way also don't watch them at like 11 o'clock at night like <laughs> i did because then by two o'clock you'll be sleepy so what do you think i think you're a great point about uh, the different types of narrative and like obviously they are serialized fiction everything is designed to push the story forward on a certain sense but they are taking advantage of the opportunity they have to make it also a character piece or to paint an environmental picture or to create an atmosphere to try to make the city a character and if that stuff doesn't work for you or if, if it doesn't work for a lot of people, like, it can make things feel slow. But when it does work, it really adds richness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there, there's lots of dramatic precedent for that from, like, the well-made plot sort of breaking down in the early 20th century and people being like, here's room for other kinds of expressive things. Right. Uh, and you get things like, I have to call out the, the naturalism, the environment they create, uh, even though it is a comic book superhero Shots like this wonderful screenshot taken behind you. (laughs) There's so much storytelling going on. There's so much painting of the world going on. There's some, like, real-looking people in this um, alongside our impossibly perfect Luke Cage. Uh, (laughs) And and it makes it super fun. So I've just started the series, but, like, I thought it was a really strong start. Uh, Obviously, Mariah and Shades have tons of charisma. They're just fun to watch. Shades so much more this season. (laughs) Yes. Shades is so much more of a character this season. Yeah, because he's he's invested. He's got yeah. skin in the game, so to speak. It's mm-hmm. like there's, he's got a lot to lose. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of the characters have been given more more room to grow. Misty and, I feel and Claire like, are amazing. Claire's, Bushmaster's yeah, got a man. real strong intro. Like. Yeah, and 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 yeah, it's especially Misty. I've, I found her her storyline is very very important, and we're seeing the birth of the daughters of the dragon. Yeah. We're also seeing the inner chi, which I think Danny Rand. I haven't got. He hasn't shown up yet, but I think this story is about Luke Cage finding his own inner chi because he's filled with his own hubris. You know, yeah. he's filled. He's filled with too much self-importance, and I feel that's like when Bushmaster shows up to mm-hmm. do a little bit of a smackdown, which happens in the first couple episodes so i'm not really doing any spoilers relax i'm not doing you'll see it and it's kind of scary because it happens quickly and you could see how it could happen where it's like overconfidence leads to this kind of thing and especially with his anger issues there's a lot of things that just are 
bubbling over in the first couple of episodes and I'm like, how are they going to handle that? Well, we've got 10 more. At least I've got 10 more because I got to go back and watch four or five. Um, so- Can we do like 10 minutes on what you think shook ones means as the intro for the first episode? <laughs> like, is it intended to be his overconfidence that he doesn't think that count or is he missing the angle that they're just scared kids or is it just a great song? I think it's a, I think it's uh, the, the latter. I, I, think, I, I think all of the above yeah. and I also love the Night Nurse song use. Have you gotten there yet? Yes! Night Nurse, while that amazing scenes have all that coffee they're making together mm-hmm. is real good. I Shout love how Grandma Ch- was like, you could come in and have some coffee. Yes! I was like, and he gave her that little side and eye. And it like, opens with coffee. Yeah. Like the, the coffee theme. That they, they know how much they we know love that. They know what's going on with they're that like, coffee. Put it in there. Well, hey, look, uh, definitely tune in this Wednesday. I'm going to have a special interview with, uh, with Simone Missick, who plays Misty. She's going to come in studio. We'll have a segment of that on Collider Heroes on Wednesday, so definitely check that out. Let's move on into Minor Mutations. And now I think we've got our audio levels checked out because I know a lot of people are complaining that the Minor Mutations music and some of these things were so loud, which we can't hear. So no. none of us can hear it, but <laughs> I know the masters behind the, behind the scenes were like, what's behind the curtain? Don't look! It's a giant head. Like, get away from me! But anyway, we talked to the giant head and they fixed those audio levels. Thanks, Modoc. Yes. Modoc! <laughs> Modoc and Kang! So anyway, let's get right into it. Ant-Man and the Wasp opens in two weeks. But some of us have actually seen the film. (gasps) What? That's right. A few of us got lucky to see it last week at the Disney Studios. And uh, and a lot more of us are going to see it tomorrow. Yeah. uh, As well at a hidden location I can't reveal. Almost revealed it. Sorry. Sorry. Anyway. Take off every list. A bunch of us went. I think you saw some of the pictures on Collider Video, on Roka's uh, Instagram. You should all be following all of us on Instagram because we like to share our pictures of us being idiots. So definitely <laughs> just click a little like button. The Roka says he's always got some fun things on there. Yeah. Right, Roka? Come on, I'm pimping you. Come on. Always fun. There you go. Always fun, Roka. That's a, that's a, that's a his, <laughs> next that's t-shirt. Handle. Yeah. Always fun, Weird Roka. Weird t-shirt with a V for Vendetta. Always fun. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how that really goes that's together, That's his secret. Roka. He's that always fun. Threat? I know. It's like he's a, in the middle of eating the sandwich. Always fun. Always yeah, fun. it's like, what's happening? So anyway, Ant-Man and the Wasp, I can quickly tell you there's no spoilers involved. Always fun. That's a good. That's a good phrase from Roka. I will say that I enjoyed Ant Man and the Wasp thoroughly, <laughs> so much so that I I liked it as much as the first film, which is saying quite a bit because Ant Man the first film was a breath of fresh air. It was it had all the action, it had all the intrigue, it had all the 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 fun and humor that was kind of goes with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But this one had extra humor. Why? Because Paul Rudd's in there, because Pena's in there, and it was like they're taking advantage of being able to have that kind of back and forth. Almost like, I wouldn't say it's comedy. I would say it's action comedy. And there's nothing wrong with it being termed as comedy. I feel like I almost wanted to stop myself from saying it. Like, shame, comedy. But you know what? It is comedy. And it's done right because it comes from the story. It involves, they're not cracking jokes wise unless it's actually part of the the narrative. So same thing with Ant-Man and the Wasp. And boy, does the Wasp come forth fully in this film. I mean, this... Evangeline Lilly, if, you, if you've I'm loved dying. her since Lost like I have and followed her like she did an amazing kids book, she's super talented above and beyond being a great actress. She's super talented outside of that. She just shines in this movie so much so that like really literally, she, I mean, you saw it in the trailer. She's like, you know, if I came with you, you know, with the Avengers, <laughs> you wouldn't have got caught. And it's true because she is such a badass in this film. Um, 
definitely everything you saw in the trailer is just expanded on. I can't wait for everyone to experience it. It's so much fun. And that, you know, that goes for my Disney croutons now. You should be sending them to me in the mail. So maybe that's <laughs> a, a weird thing is like people are like, ah, I'm getting paid by Disney. It's like uh, that we get to go see free screenings. I guess I get to see a free ticket. That is some form of payment. But honestly, if I didn't like the film, I would say that. I would be honest about it. And uh, unfortunately, I'm very honest. So I loved Ant-Man and the Wasp, <laughs> and I can't wait for other people to enjoy it. You all going to see it tomorrow. What are your thoughts about Ant-Man and the Wasp? I had my hype levels under control until today. <laughs> I was so, I was like, it'll be fine. It, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reasonably excited. And everything you say makes me more excited about this movie. Uh, so, you know, stay tuned to see whether I can survive. <laughs> right, this. Amy, that's why I'm paid those big bucks from Disney. <laughs> right? So, rolling in that cash. What do you think, Koi? You're going to see it tomorrow. I have not been able to properly like just invest how excited I am with this year like every month we get an amazing new property the fact that I have not fully recovered from Infinity War and no, right. don't know if I ever will and I've just started Luke Cage and I don't have time to finish Luke Cage before I see Ant-Man of the right. Wasp like, <laughs> like the fact that I'm like talking about I'm like ah DC Slade at Hall H I gotta figure that out oh wait I'm going to Amazing Con this weekend oh I need to find time to watch Luke Cage oh wait Ant-Man tomorrow what it's like reading a wizard magazine with my eyeballs in a right. theater all the time right. like I get this so i i'm just excited because marvel is giving us so much good content and we have so many good superhero movies my favorite genre outside of superhero stuff is buddy cop movies and it looks like this is a buddy cop comic movie didn't even know i'd get that so buddy comic movie yeah. and like the idea that the first one was so good and that to me was a recovery from what it could have been with Edgar Wright on like you felt Edgar Wright's fingerprints on it yeah. so I love Peyton Reed he did an amazing job I can't wait to see what Peyton Reed gets when it's 100% his mm. to me that one was like 98% yeah. Peyton Reed 2% like whoa no right. I'm excited to see 100% Peyton Reed he designed it himself like yeah. I want to see a movie that's all his and it's a sequel to one we all love so we already know how much we love Michael Pena we already know yeah. Paul Rudd so like I'm yes I'm glad you brought that up because this is 100% Peyton Reed I would even say the original Ant-Man is 75% Peyton okay. Reed because Edgar Wright's fingerprints are all throughout that. He wrote yeah. the screenplay. He's a producer on it. He helped forge that story. And, of course, they did rewrites, and they did a lot of rewriting. The cure in the suitcase was Edgar Wright. Like, that There's was a scene of... A lot of elements from Edgar Wright's, you know, you know bag of tricks mm -hmm. that are in there. This is Peyton Reed's bag of tricks. And I can't wait to see him take on the Fantastic Four, because that's right. I've been calling it for, like, years... He's the guy to be directing the Fantastic Four. A lot of people don't know this, but he was in charge of a Fantastic Four movie in the early 2000s. He was going to direct a, the Fantastic Four movie. It was going to be set in the 60s. There's a lot of uh, information about that that if you go online, you can find out about. There's no real art that's surfaced yet about his take on the Fantastic Four. But I think we don't have to worry about that because I think we're going to see that. Because I think Kevin Feige and everyone at Marvel Studios has utmost confidence in Peyton Reed, and you will too after you see this film. I feel like after seeing this film, I was like, he's the perfect director to make the Fantastic Four movie once it settles into its new home of Marvel Studios. I yeah. feel like he is the guy to lead that family, the cosmic family, into the, the, the theaters that we're all going to see soon. And I, I want to, you know, like you're talking about, it's a great buddy cop film, definitely. I want to give a shout out to Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. So you'll see them in this film. And it's fantastic. I, I love I love the chemistry of everyone in the film. I think I gotta say I know, I'm dying. Yeah, I'm I just say, dying. I've forgotten. My brain was just yeah. like, oh right, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh right, Michelle Pfeiffer. I will say this. I mean, if you go back maybe about two or three months ago when we were conjecturing about you know what is Ant Man of the Wasp going to be like, we are 100 percent right. 
I love being like uh, as far as like the things that we said, how we felt the story was going to progress, and things that we we think we're going to see. And of course, I say 100 percent right. We're not really 100 percent right. There's give and takes, but the way the story progressed made sense. If you watch the trailers and you're an informed person, you'll be like, oh, it'll probably go this way, and it does. Yet it still has surprises every time, every 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 minute. There was like, I wonder what's going to happen, kind of situation. So heavily suggest getting your tickets now to see this film. Uh, I want to hear what you guys say tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. We almost got a Mega Ultron. For Age of Ultron, uh, here's some concept art that I had never seen before. Check that out. It's like a gigantic Ultron. So remember all those little insect Ultrons that they were fighting? Well, they all kind of skittle together and form a giant Ultron. They're like merging. And then, you know, there's thousands of these little robots. And they all kind of like, you know, sew themselves together, become a gigantic Ultron. What do you think about that? I mean, it looks cool as heck. I, I don't know if it was just that they were like, eh, this doesn't fit our story, or this is literally impossible. <laughs> uh, I don't know if, like, Giant Ultron would have lifted the city. I don't right? know how that would have worked, um, but it looks cool. I think it looks great. I think it's very much like Space Holes to me, where we've seen a lot of that. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that was like only a couple steps away from Space Cloud Galactus. Mm. Like, that definitely reminded me of Fantastic Four 2, and they were like, mm. So I'm glad they kept Ultron where he did. Uh, Age of Ultron is a very tricky narrative because of how much... It's actually such a smart movie if, if it had another half an hour. Like, I really wish Joss Whedon got the, to play with, like, sudden tripping balls Thor scene. Like, I right. wish they could have fleshed that out. So Ultron, I thought, was brilliant. I just felt like they were always playing catch-up. So I'm glad they didn't add another element because then that would have been more catch-up. So I, I liked where not mustard ketchup yeah. catching up. And also, I feel like when you introduce a mega Ultron, there better be a mega somebody else to fight him. I'm always <laughs> like, when they have just one giant like brrr, like swing i mean it worked with civil war with one ant-man because it was yeah. the surprise when none of us saw that coming giant man then it's like who all right who else has the powers it was very it was done right and it was literally like a small segment but when you have the villain be like the super giant thing you kind of want to have that hey, hey what's up like whoa it's goliath <laughs> so i'd, I'd want to see that happen so jody foster is in final negotiations to be in why the last man what do you think about that adding that kind of talent to this new series amy uh, also dying for this to be real. Uh, that that my my guess was what the rumor was as soon as I heard Jodie Foster. There's uh, a meaty role for the the main character's mom, mm-hmm. um, and it's like it's a side role within the world of the film. But I would love to see like that caliber of talent involved. And, like and honestly, if she wants to dabble in some TV directing while right? she's there, yeah, I know. Um, I would be into it. I would, I would strongly advise the people inv- involved in why the last... I'm sure Brian K. Vaughn is sort of like, get, get her on, <laughs> you let her direct a couple. She's incredible. Not let her direct, or have her direct. What do you think? She is always a stamp of this script is amazing, and why the last man has been in development for so long. It's one of the scripts I've worried about, because it's like, why hasn't it happened? So now her signing on is like, oh, they wanted to make sure it was perfect. She's very outspoken about not loving superhero properties, so right. if she's involved, that means it doesn't feel like a superhero property to her, which means the script of the thing has to be so good because the comic is so good and so different and so out there. FX made Legion, so I know they're going to invest some weirdness. So right. her signing on to me is the final stamp I needed to be like, oh, this can be like the Why the Last Man I want and her directing. Like, if you haven't seen The Beaver, watch The Beaver. Like, Jodie Foster is so brilliant and her sense of humor is so, like, askew mm-hmm. that it could land Why the Last Man perfectly. So I'm, I'm so for it. I'm, this is the most excited I've been for this property. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think she's going to do a fantastic job for sure. Why the Last Man is, to me, it's like, just because it's a comic book doesn't mean it's a superhero book. It's sort of like it has, it's a science fiction book, just like mm-hmm. Brian K. Vaughn has mm. been writing Saga. It's like, so, I mean, comic books have so many different genres that they cover. 
And that's one of the most fantastic things that sometimes people don't even know where where these things came from. I and, mean, and Preacher I, is one of them. So yeah. I, I feel like, first of all, that, that that we will definitely have a wave of people being like, this was based on a comic, <laughs> um, which is great. And I love Please Come by the Comics. Uh, but... Uh, this one specifically, I'm really excited for this to make the jump because I think a lot of people are going to be like, they're not going to realize how many people who made the shows and movies we watched were reading Why the Last Man from it 2002 to 2007. So much, right? <laughs> um, uh, I'm, so I want this to happen. I think they've got a good team behind it. Um, I saw that Michael Green, I think, is one of the showrunners, and one of the others, I saw her name in Luke Cage this season. Uh, so they have exciting people, and if Jodie Foster's signing on, I feel like you do, that it's a sign of confidence. Yeah, I feel like Brian K. Vaughn was influenced by Logan's Run, A Boy and His Dog, and so mm-hmm. many of these other things, and now a lot of people now are influenced by Why the Last Man. Yeah. It's a so on and so on. Marcus and McFeely, that's right, our friends over at Marvel Studios who are writing all these amazing things, they want to work in MODOK into the, the MCU. Now, I have zero complaints about that. When we had them on as a guest here, I specifically asked them, what's up with MODOK? When it was like, we're bringing up Kang and we're like, starting to talk about MODOK. And I think I started to you know, get those feelings that MODOK could be, yes. you know, they already had Arnim Zola that's, and they're like, look, thinking. you know, the MODOK is not too far away. Check it out. So Kevin Smith had him on as guest. He said, he w- what's up with MODOK? And uh, Marcus said, uh, MODOK, I love MODOK, and I still think properly done, he'd be terrifying. Like, you look all the way down the hall, and, like, this huge head comes around the corner and starts coming, and, oh, it'd be awesome. Can MODOK work? I think it's a, a shoe-in. Perfect. What do you think? Oh, I, I absolutely think he could work. I don't know where he would have fit into the stuff we've seen so far in terms of narrative space. Uh, but, like, uh, we are living in this age where I feel Marvel can deliver on their weird concepts. Uh, and, I yeah, so I'd love to see him try it. Supercomputer hidden deep, deep deep beneath S.H.I.E.L.D.? What do you think? So we had Arnim Zola as, like, going... For me, MODOK is the Charizard, and Arnim Zola is the Charmeleon, <laughs> and Arnim Zola in the first Avengers Charmander. Like, it's the evolution. It's where yeah. you land. So... So for me, we're living in a post-Ego the Living Planet world. Right. If we can have Ego the Living Planet and have that shot of it like as a planet, we can do this. It would not have worked in the era of Winter Soldier or earlier. Right. It would not have worked in the gritty, grounded Marvel. But we're going cosmic. We're going crazy. Right. A machine designed only for killing can work in this new Marvel. So Phase 4, yes, I think he belongs. And I also think that the visual of him is going to be amazing however they handle him. Because it's so weird. Like, if we get there. And I also know I interviewed uh, David Desmalchian uh, on the Red cover for Infinity War, and he said he got Peyton Reed a MODOK ice tray. And, like, he said that as soon as Peyton Reed saw it, he's like, oh, MODOK, and that's how he knew they were going to be friends forever. One, that's the sweatiest friendship ever. The fact they're like, here's this bond. But that also shows me that, like, there's an inside joke around Marvel about MODOK. So, eventually that's going to leak out into MODOK. So, I hope that that was, like, foreshadowing. You can look it up online. There is an actual MODOK fan club. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to tell you if I'm a member of it or not, but I own almost everything ever made involving MODOK. <laughs> All the miniatures, the metal figure, the giant sideshow statue. I'm a MODOK fan. Galactus and Doctor Doom, those are the things that I collect. Had to be very specific because there's millions of things to collect. That's what I get. Never heard of a MODOK ice cube tray until now. <laughs> Guess what little Johnny's getting on eBay after the, this show The Smalchian, where'd you get it? Yeah, let the Smalchian, let me know. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah, MODOK can definitely work. So we've got Electro, we've got Mr. Negative, we've got Vulture, we've got Scorpion, and we've got the Rhino. So who is the sixth member of the Sinister Six in the PlayStation Spider-Man game? The PlayStation 4 Spider-Man game. Guess what? The voice actor for the Rhino ruined it, spoiled it. But who cares, really? It's not a spoiler. We're going to be playing in a few, few uh, like literally a few months. Yeah. You guys want to know? 
Might as well tell you, it's Dr. Octopus. Now, who was thinking, I'm so happy it's Doc Ock and not like the Green Goblin. I think they should save the Green Goblin for another Spider-Man game entirely. Oscorp has to be developed slowly, just like as in the movies, they need to develop it slowly. What do you think about Doc Ock being that sixth member, kind of like the guy who's running it? I mean, that makes perfect sense. I'm really excited for this. I'm excited specifically for sort of the... Like, the game physics implications of what they're going to do with Doc Ock. Uh, And, like, we've discussed this. We're very excited for this game. I hope that it will be... uh, The way that when when the Batman Arkham games first came out, and we were all like, oh, my God, I feel like Batman. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of the vibe that I'm getting from... I haven't played it yet, but from the people who've played the new Spider-Man PlayStation game. Um, And so, yeah, I think Doc Ock's going to slide in perfectly... Amy, can I tell you? Yeah. I totally played the game, <gasps> and I felt like I was Spider-Man. You can watch. There's footage on Collider Games right now of my dumbass playing the game, literally dying, constantly button smashing and swearing. I think Dennis edited out all of my swear words. There are people like, are you done yet? Not yet, son. Come on. Get off me. Like, you know, you have a limited amount of time, and I waited. Every single person has, like, their little five minutes. Because I was dying so much, and it sucked so bad at the game, I think people watching me were like, let me show you how it's done. I was like, hey, relax. You have your turn to fight the Shocker. It's no my turn. spiders. Yeah, there was a lot of backseat. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, easy, easy. Let me die myself. And I got, I literally got killed so many times. I suck so bad at this game. Literally couldn't even, I was like, yeah. like I couldn't swing right for the first like minute. I was like, how do you even swing around? Then once I learned how to swing around the city, that's all I was doing. They were like, fight the, you can fight that guy. I don't want to. I'm, like, I'm going to fly around. So, Open world. Why don't you relax? Yeah, yeah, you're not in my living room. You're, I'm in your living room. No, wait. You're in my, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, got the chance to play it. It was exactly what you're thinking. It was like that, like the Arkham City games that they did so well. Where you're like Batman, you're kind of hanging out. You're like, I'm gonna pounce on that dude. Little <laughs> little bat symbol. That dude is so dead. Yep. That's what happens with Spider-Man. Little spider sense. Koi, have you gotten a chance to play it? I've not, but I've been very outspoken to everyone that I'm buying a PS4 for the purpose of this. Yes. Uh, I'm waiting for them to announce a red, hopefully with white spider PS4. I'm That's why I haven't committed yet because I know it's Sony. Like it's re- also Sony. I've been the loudest Venom proponent. So if you want to send me one, I will be a shill for you as well. Whatever money you want to send. Wait a sec, so, People might get upset that you're asking for a, pr- a free just, PlayStation. I love three, handouts four. from large right. corporations. Well, large handouts. <laughs> I think that's wrong. Send me it a PlayStation. It costs you four. nothing to send that's me right. a PS4 to the address it in Glendale. It does cost them things. You know what? Pennies on the dollar okay. compared to what? Boy, I-, I gotta say it. Let's let's not be totally greedy. You should send us three PS4s PlayStation 4s so that <laughs> Amy can also be Spider-Man. Oh, because I really so feel. <laughs> Easy. It's not about me and Koi. This it's is about all of us. Literally about I all of us. I have a PS4, but I will trade mine for a Spider-Man. We will live stream if the yeah. PS4s arrive at the studio. We'll live stream. But what I was going to say was the, the Doc Ock mechanics make a lot of sense because everything I've seen about the game is the amazing webbing play and how you tie all that in together. You add arms to that. You add yes. the like, way Doc Ock fights. You add the Sinister Six needs a leader and you want someone smart. So all of it makes sense. I like the way it all ties together. It's canon. There's a lot of Doc Ock Sinister Six in the comics. He has led them before. Right. Uh, I'm also glad it's not Osborne because much like Miles Morales, you need to get to the point where that character makes sense in canon. Right. Like, I'm really excited they're doing Spider-Verse for the Miles Morales movie because you can have all of that story. But if you just introduce Green Goblin, you're like, well, what is Harry doing? Why is Oscorp? How does Norman know Peter? Like, that doesn't work in a Sinister Six. There's already so much. So Doc Ock, you can just be like, crazy, mad scientist, genius, Otto Octavius, go. Right. So I could not be more excited for this game. I also think we'll see a bunch of other smaller villains because, yeah. like, I fought the Shocker and he's not part of the Sinister mm. Six. So I feel like we'll see a couple of other like you know as you swing around the city there'll be other situations to get into 
Why did you say peace? Why did you say peace, hot Pete? I want it. The show is ruined. No, just that was for you, Griffin. Um, David Griffin is somewhere out there giggling and chuckling on IGN, like peace, hot Pete. All right. Will the eternal Kronos? That's right, the eternal Kronos. That's what I said. Thanos' grandpa show up in Avengers Four. What do you guys think? I, I I wouldn't expect it, but I guess if if there really was a lot of Thanos backstory material that they cut out, it would make sense. I don't really have a bet either way on this one. What do you think? Avengers Four is the biggest blank in my mind as to what it could be that I think since Iron Man One. Like as far as what we're getting into, we we knew so little about Avengers Three going into it, which we all were so excited about. Like we did the show before Avengers Three, saw Avengers, we're like, didn't know any of that was coming. Right. And then Avengers Four feels even more abstract. So whenever anyone gets mentioned, I'm like, maybe, maybe. There's like, a lot of big maybe's. Yeah. I mean, I love that. You know what? Maybe might happen this coming Sunday in Las Vegas at the amazing Las Vegas Comic-Con, I'm going to be hosting a panel about Jim Starlin and Ron Lim. So cool! And, I'm so um, sad I'm not going to yeah, be there. One of the creators of Thanos, as well as one of the creators of Kronos. Guess what I'm going to be asking him? He probably won't say anything. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you should show up for that panel. It's Sunday, uh, early in the afternoon, so definitely check that out. Um, I don't know if Kronos is going to be in there. Pretty sure they're going to set up some of the Eternals. I mean, we already know Thanos is an Eternal. His dad's an Eternal. His grandpa's an Eternal. The Celestials also are involved in the Eternals. Thanos is obviously a deviant. Uh, you know, I think they're you know, setting it up. It doesn't matter if the X-Men or Fantastic Four are coming back to Marvel. The Eternals are happening. And I think the easier and better way to set them up is to start to introduce them in some of these bigger cosmic uh, movies like Captain Marvel would be a fantastic way to set up the Eternals, whether they have Circe in there, whether they have mm. Icarus in there. They should have an Eternal show up in Captain Marvel because it'll just make it that much easier once you set them up and they have a good good couple of 10 or 15 minutes in that movie where in 1991 that we jump into the future. So I'd love to see that happen. I'm a big fan of the Eternals. So we'll find out very shortly. I guess we only got to wait about six or seven months for Captain Marvel to show up. Crazy. I know. It's, it's insane to even say that. But uh, Sony and pr- producer Amy Pascal are prepping Silk for a Spider-Verse entry. Now, we don't know if this is a live-action Silk or not because the gal in Spider-Man Homecoming is actually, like, plays the character Silk. Mm-hmm. It's her name. Um, I can't remember her name right now. Cindy Moon. Or the actress. Cindy Moon, yeah, right. Okay. No, exactly. So the actress is playing Cindy Moon in Spider-Man Homecoming. What are your thoughts about Silk? Should it be live-action or stay in the Spider-Verse animated? So I don't understand the spider strategy. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say, like, if they're doing Silk, I'm first in line. Uh, it would like if they're planning to do it as a live action movie. That's awesome. Right. Uh, but just like Venom, her story is very connected to Spider Man. Uh, so I'm not totally sure how this is working, or mm-hmm. if they're going to spin off the Marvel like the actress who played her in Marvel. We've seen before that like throwing that character in the background and giving them the name doesn't always mean they're going to stick with that, and right. they may not want to cross those lines. But that said, Silk is an awesome character. She's been around since 2014. She had her own solo run for, like, almost 30 issues, Good. I think. Uh, and, and like, she's, she's a ton of fun. She's basically the, like, she's like Kimmy Schmidt, but in superhero world. Um, it, it, but, like, again, that all depends on backstory stuff that I imagine will be very different. So... 
I'm on board for whatever they're working on, but I still have a lot of questions about how this is all what do you think? coming together. I feel like what you're saying about character names, like it's hard because Ned Leeds is Genki and like that's yeah. what? Like he's not going to be the Hobgoblin later. So like ho- Homecoming's a tricky one to be like, well, that's weird. He's on a glider. Like I don't think that's going to be too indicative, but right. it is good world building if they did set that up. The tricky thing for me with Cindy is that the character was in a basement locked up for so long. Mm. that that's a, Yeah, six, six years, six. that's a hard thing to be like, and we open with a girl trapped in a dungeon for six years. Like, what? Like, how do you establish, like, what that would feel like unless that's the first act of the movie? Well, the thing is, if, then- we, if they were adding it into an established Spider-Man and she comes out, like, if they did, like, if we had, if it was regular Marvel and, and, and he'd been in action for six years yeah. and she came out of a bunker... Like six years later, like it's a perfect spin-off setup. Right. They just don't have the situation to Far spin it off yet. of, and that's confusing. Okay, you were it was your turn. And no, I no, got no, excited. no. I, I, that's, what, that's what I was getting to. Is like you need to establish more to let the six years have passed. And you also like there's that weird pheromone thing where they're all over each other for a while. So is that going to be a part of it? Like I feel Tom like Holmes, that's optional. Tom Holland's a little young for that kind of story. And then the Cindy Moon that they had in the comics was much more like Kimmy Schmidt, where it was like this fun like hijinks and stuff happening to her. So I, if they go animated, they could have a really fun young adult Korean American character and there's not a lot of that in comics or movies or animated so I think it'd be really fun to have that character be be an entire corner of the Spider-Verse like she can lead her own thing so I kind of want it to be more removed from Homecoming I'd like it to be yeah. more separate but I that. would like it to be live action because like Asian characters have been kind of getting the show oh, li- no no live action <laughs> but it's own thing like kind of like Venom how it's separate like I want it to be it's own it's over here we don't need this Tom Holland it's, it's so hard to know how Venom is going to be what, how separate it really is going to be until we see it yeah because we don't really know what the Marvel adjacent deal is we do know that the Spider-Verse film is coming out. It's animated, and it's introducing a lot of characters like Spider-Gwen, so it's its, its own thing. Yeah. Um, we don't know how that fits into the Marvel Cinematic Universe or Sony's Marvel-adjacent properties like Venom, Silver and Black, if that still gets made, mm. or Silk. So we don't know if Silk is going to be live action yet or if it's going to be animated. I don't think they know yet. Right. I feel like they're going to wait. It's you know they're going to develop concepts and develop things and see how it goes, especially with the way Venom is received. Mm-hmm. Especially it's how we receive it and and how it plays in to the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I feel it's a lot more tied in to the Marvel Cinematic Universe than any of us are really ready to be prepared for. So I feel like once we find out more about that film, whether it's more or less, who knows? But I think that will also inform us as to what we should expect from Silk. Um, That's only three months now. It's like October. Yeah. Somehow this year's half over. If only we could just sleep and it would happen. Um, (laughs) Well, you know what? Speaking of Spider-Man, we now know the name of the Spider-Man movie. Thanks to Tom Holland. Totally, you know, just showing up a little bit. Yeah, what's he getting? He's like kind of talking and then he like holds up this little uh, computer like, you know, it's probably like a touchstone something or other. It's a a tablet. Yeah, he's a tablet. He's reading some kind of, I don't know if it's an iTablet or some Apple thing or it could be a Vios. I don't know what the hell it is. Behind the scenes of comms, it's like this, a lot of stone walls. Yes, that is exactly. (laughs) It's like dank. Yeah, there it is. Spider-Man, far from home. And it was literally, that's the first time anybody saw it. Like, we all know Tom Holland loves spoiling things. Like, usually Doctor Strange is there to like, (laughs) Host the Hori Host of Hogum. He's like, I'm going to He's not allowed to. This, he's uh, outside on his own. He's like, no one can stop me. I'm sure whether or not they were, had it all planned or not, now we know it's Far From Home. A, a little spin, keeping home in the title, Homecoming, Far From Home. That makes me think the third movie will also be something, you know, I'm coming home or homeward bound. Or, you know, who, they're 
can't figure out so home sweet home. No, We're all too hard. We're all in it. Do it. Spider-Man yeah. and two adorable dogs and a cat. It's Spider Ham. Oh, uh, homeward yeah. bound. Yeah. So they're going to keep that home home skillet. I don't know what they're going to call it. <laughs> Spider-Man home skillet. What do you think, Roca? Um, what slice. Home, home slice, slice. from Roca home slice? We love it. So what do you think? Oh, far from home. Well, we've been hearing rumors about like a study abroad thing. Yes. Uh, and this seems like it's prominently in line with those. It's weird because I'm like, ooh, Spider-Man not in New York. I don't know. But, <laughs> but. Uh, on the other hand, I'm like, based on that last movie, I'm super down with whatever they're doing, and I will adjust. I will adjust to Spider Man somewhere else, making cute architecture jokes about whatever there is or isn't that are there to swing from. Right. <laughs> I think this gives us a great opportunity for Mysterio, it gives us a great opportunity for Craven, it gives us a lot of opportunity to have more of a world building movie, uh, hopefully not at its own cost. Like, I don't want it to be like just setting up more without it like losing itself. Sure. But you can introduce all these characters. They want to do a Silver Sable, they want to do a Black Cat. Not everyone should be from New York. So I love the idea of like there being villains from other parts of the world. But if it's everyone's just- going to be from New York, it should be no, no, Spider-Man. Spider-Man is the friendly name they for Spider-Man. They come to New York. That's how New York works. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> visits. You get on a plane. You land. You hunt right. Spider-Man. But I love the uh, Ellis Island. <laughs> We've I'm in made New York. Spider-hunting season. Yeah, you Craven. Just, you J- land in JFK yeah. with a bag, and you're like, gotta get me he's a got Spider-Man. He's got a bunch of lions. He's got all the stuff he brought with him. He's like, ah. You just go through man. security. You're like, now I've got my Spider-hunting pass. He's wearing his weird vest. He's yes. He's got the lions. <laughs> But I like the idea that we can have the world be a little bigger and then Spider-Man gets back home because Spider-Man is the most New York superhero. Like, yeah. I completely agree. The Baxter Building and Spider-Man are New York. Yep. The rest, a little more variable. Maybe upstate New York X-Men, but they move so much. But <laughs> Spider-Man, like, to me, needs to land back in New York. But I think that Far From Home will feel so much more impactful because of that tie. So when he gets back to New York, you're like, he's back to New York pizza. He's back to home. So I think it's going to be a, a journey of him getting sure. homeward bound. I love, I love that perspective, too, because I, I really hope that uh, Quentin Beck the character that becomes Mysterio is French or, or, or you know, or he's, you know, he's playing a, not an American is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. It's like, it'd be cool to have Craven not Russian. be American. Like yeah. Russian. Russian I mean, I think it's like that opens it up. I don't know if we're going to get too much of that, like Craven hunting him from, you know, country to country right. or anything like that, but it's open. It's an open book right now. It's hard to tell. And I actually hadn't thought this through, but uh, you know how they talked about the next Spider-Man movie is going to deal with Fallout from the stuff. Yes. Um, if the like, if Spider-Man is a little homesick and he also just like, I, who knows what the future holds? But if he just took his first trip to space and it was very exciting and very bad and very scary and like he's dealing with all of that stuff, it does roll in neatly to this like this homesickness thing. He has just been very far from home. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know. That might be a total coincidence and have nothing to do with the study abroad stuff they're planning, but it, it's interesting. You know what's crazy? Could, here's just some, you know, why not? I don't know what's happening, but maybe the far from home takes place before Infinity War and he goes on this trip and then he comes back and Tony Stark is like, I need you, kid. And he's on the school bus and we cut right into Infinity War, then cut to like, Six months that's later, still you're breaking my, my heart that's because what if he's dream. almost home to say no, hi to Aunt May when he gets that phone call? But and- that's why that's how it should go because Spider Man, Peter Parker needs you know he can't up. always be a good you know he, his life is a bummer and those that highs got to be high. It's got to be that Parker luck. So hopefully they're going to have a little fun with it. Who knows how they're really going to rock and roll it? You know, Spider Man should be in his second year of high school. That's what should be happening. And then mm-hmm. maybe when things happen after Infinity Four, you know, then we'll jump back in. It's hard to tell. Speaking of Disney, dropped seventy three million. Rook was it seventy three million? 
Or 73 billion. billion. How many billions? Was billion. 73 billion. That's right. I'm not saying million, baby. I'm saying trillion. No, it's billion. Billion, that's too much. I can't even count that. <laughs> it's hard to figure out even one billion. Um, to acquire Fox, uh, all of everything from Fox except for their amazing news uh, media people. But uh, all the, all the uh, amazing content that Fox has done, all of their movies, all of their television shows, every, all their, that incredible content, all the animated series, and their characters that they haven't really been handling right, X-Men and Fantastic Four, will finally come back home, so to speak. Uh, and Fox accepted the offer. Now what happens? So, you know, none of us are involved in these legal proceedings. All we do know is, like, the money just get, keeps, keeps ratcheting up. Will it hit, hit $1 trillion? Will Comcast say, we're coming at you with $1 trillion. We got it from your Social Security. Who, where are they going to get this money? Is what I'm saying. One trillion dollars? Where is that coming from? Comcast. I mean, I guess they're limitless pockets. Who knows? Like I said, I can't even fathom these numbers other than that they just seem fantastical. And I don't really care that much other than like, can the Fantastic Four just be at Marvel Studios? How do we make that happen? I don't really care about all this other stuff. I'm glad Fox accepted the 73 billion. What do you think is going to happen? Well... I think they've now, like, I, I, I hope that this accepting of the offer, this accepting of the offer, I hope it is the, like, final roadblock out of the way. I know they were waiting on the, the like, the Comcast court decision to see if they thought there'd be regulatory problems with well, this. Well, Warner Bros. AT&T, there's not going to be. Right. Because that got passed, that means this will get passed. Yeah. Um, so. Two monopolies are okay. I, <laughs> it is, it's very strange. As we've commented on the show, where, like, there's a, a ton of business implications to this and a con- ton of corporate implications and a ton of implications for people's jobs, but considered from the perspective of somebody who really wants a Fantastic Four movie, it's great news! Right. Uh, and so hopefully Hopefully those weird dual plans that they've had in motion, uh, or that I assume they've had in motion at Marvel for the last two years or however long they've been working on this, uh, they can they can fast forward on those now. Uh, and just, I like, I'm, I'm waiting for something else to go wrong with this deal. But I think we're finally in the clear, right? This is it. This hey, is look, happening. If I was Peyton Reed right now, I'd be like... Intro page one. Yeah. Fantastic car. <laughs> Doctor Doom is chasing. The- <laughs> I mean, yeah. Peyton Reed is such a giant sweaty. Like I said, like he he's a, co- a comic book reader and a fan first and foremost. He's a guy who, like fit in that astonishing tales reference mm-hmm. in the first Ant Man. Yeah. So come on, like to have that guy writing the script right now, which you know he is. You know he's sweating right now. He's like, I don't care about this deal. I'm making this film regardless. So whatever. What do you think, Coy? I think I seventy three billion is such an insurmountable amount of money. Like my I can't actually. And the fact that they were like we want half in cash what was that like where they're like dollar bill signs on bank bags like oh. cartoon like they wanted some in cash and a half of 73 billion what is that what does 36 billion look like how many armored trucks like the my plot of ant-man is 3 is him stealing 36 billion dollars yeah like, like corporate takeover <laughs> i'm picturing breaking bad when they're in the storage thing right. and like huel just lays down on that stack of money like i just what is that why anyway it, it has to be in gold i just <laughs> chunk, yeah chunk. so for me it's the idea that i've never even heard of that much money but also like what is it like to, to, to that transfer like what are the legal ramifications what is merging of two giant conglomerates look like when does it go through because that much money that much corporate interest that many ips that much ownership how long does that even take because nothing like this has ever fully been done it probably well, takes years i can't imagine and the other thing that you have to consider is that it's not just like a here's the 73 billion now we make 73 billion back it's like anybody who owns a comic book store knows when they buy a comic it sits on that shelf right for possibly five to six years so that's why when you sell your comic you're you're only going to get one fourth of its value. Like this is supposed to be a hundred. I'll get. I'll take eighty nine. They're like, no, son. You'll take twenty five. Yeah. Because I'm sitting on it 
for five years. So my 25 bucks that I just paid you just went away. It's just possibly, rent. It's just yeah, holding space in a store. Literally, <laughs> possibly forever, you might not sell that comic. So it's a risk that you take. Obviously, the higher, the oh, this is a hot comic, they'll give you more money because they know that they could move it faster. It's the same thing when these kinds of giant deals where it's a, a number that none of us can really fathom, $73 billion. But then you could start to break that apart and be like, ah, if we just were like, oh, just from the Marvel side of it, the X-Men franchise, Fantastic Four franchise, X-Men franchise is a billion-dollar franchise. Mm-hmm. Fantastic Four, done properly, can be a billion-dollar franchise. You can literally easily see six movies from the Fantastic Four and 12 movies from the X-Men done properly in 10 years. And if they do those things properly, you're talking about billions of dollars. So I feel like the returns, not just let alone their streaming service, which will then acquire all the of those Simpsons. TV shows, all of that stuff, I mean, it's, that's what I'm talking about. So let's move right into our comic book pull list. Starting with number five, we got Man of Steel by Bendis and Adam Hughes joining him for the art on this one. The Sentry, number one, Jeff Lemire and Kim Jacinto. Uh, I'm really interested in seeing what they do with The mm-hmm. Sentry. It's Marvel's Superman, so to speak. Number three, we've got the final issue of Astro City. It's number 52. It's Kurt Busiak, Brent Anderson, and as always, covers by Alex Ross. I know, Amy, you finally cracked into the, the yes! Astro City world. So they're ending it, but they're going to be doing little one-shots and things like that as we move forward in the years. This is the last single issue. Number two, we've got Killer Be Killed, number 20. Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, wrapping it up. Uh, you better just read the other ones because I can't even talk about this. So, And finally, number one, we've got Brian K. Vaughn, Saga. We've been talking about his Why the Last Man. Check out what he's currently writing right now with Fiona Staples, Saga number 53. Um, what are your thoughts? I wanted to throw in a couple notables, too. you got Moon Knight, Royal City, Black Panther, The Terrifics, Descender, The Wicked and the Divine. What are your thoughts, Amy? We live in such a good time for comics. <laughs> this is really a do. rad list. Uh, don't jump in with the new saga. Start with volume one, and we will see you tomorrow for volume two. Uh, it's it like I'm, I have no idea what to expect from the century, but based on Jeff Lemire's Black Hammer, the idea of like playing with uh, superhero tropes and and that stuff, like that's very in his wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, but that, that I mean, everything's in his. He can do anything. It's crazy. Um, Read comics. This is a great list. I love so many of those books. Like, right, this is such an expensive week, and yeah. it's, I love that it runs the gamut. Like, there's indie books, there's dark books, there's light books, there's Sentry, who hasn't been around in a very long time. Right. Man of Steel, I'm really enjoying. I love Bendis. I know it's controversial, but I, I really like the, the Man of Steel stuff he's doing. Uh, also, I need to give a shout out to this graphic. I don't know who designed that, but man, that's, that's fantastic. Brian Ward. Uh, so good. That's so fantastic. Yeah, no, Brian Ward, he's done all the new logos. It's, it's so fantastic. Good. But I also, I also wrote down for me personally, uh, Mark Bagley, one of my favorite artists of all time, is doing Deadpool. And Deadpool Assassin is a book that I hadn't heard was coming. And it's Mark Bagley completely, like cover and inside, wow. all doing Deadpool. And it's the most, like, it, since it's removed from Deadpool continuity-ish, it's just insane. It's wow. just full Merc stuff. It's all in, it's, and it's that 90s, like, Spider-Man Mark Bagley. So it's got the little, like, thing on the hood. And it's so much fun. And the writing's great. And it's really, like, laugh Does out loud funny. Does that comes out this Wednesday? Now, so, I do know about that two. only because Bill Sankiewicz just did the variant cover. And he did it like Electra Assassin, but with Deadpool. Oh, it's, yeah. And so, I'm buying. That, it's issue so. two, so it's only one. You're only one behind, so right. pick up one and two. I got to give a shout out to it because it snuck up on me, and I'm like the Deadpool zealot. I think those are <laughs> those are great. Like I said, like kill or be killed. Definitely check that out. The trades are available. The Sentry is like really a pretty pretty high up there. That's mm-hmm. why it's in the top five. I'm like I want to see what they're going to try to do with that character. I mean, he's gone through a lot of different iterations. I call him the Marvel Superman, but Marvel's got a couple of different Superman composites. You have Hyperion. You have a bunch of these different characters mm. that never really landed. So mm-hmm. this is 
is a cool way to maybe take some character like that and land him right. Speaking of landing right, Walmart has got these 100-page giant issues landing in the next month or so. It's Superman giant, Justice League of America giant, Batman giant, and Teen Titans giant. July 1st, these are going to be in every Walmart across the nation for $4.99. 100-page giants. Now, we've got... There's a little bit of new new comic book in each one of them. They're mainly reprints of a bunch of different runs of different comic books from the last like 10 or 15 years. Mainly newer ones, I'm pretty sure. I don't know exactly what they're going to chuck in there. But for Batman, we've got Brian Michael Bendis and Darrington, Nick Darrington, doing the artwork of that'll only be available in here. So for comic book sweaties, you're going to have your own little individual nuggets. You've got Jimmy Palmiotti. You've got uh, uh, Tom King writing superman you've got all these different people doing doing the writing a lot of amazing artists also climbing in there to do little one-offs and and whatnot so i I feel like this is a great thing not for comic book readers who go to the comic book shops but damn straight i'm going into a walmart walmart to buy these but i think it's for the every person i think this is the way to reintroduce younger people to comic books because literally a family can buy their kid once a week they could buy this week i'll buy superman Next week, I'll buy a Batman. The following week, I'll buy a Justice League. And these comics should be all ages, and they should be a great introduction to the DC universe. And then as kids get older, they'll be like, I got to go to this comic book store. That's got everything. And it's going to reintroduce people to the magic that is comic book stores because it's magic right now. Just people are afraid to open that door. I was like, I don't know. I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be filled with fear. What do you think? Fear not for giant sizes with you. Uh, yes. Yeah, the, uh, I'm very, I am very excited about this. I have questions. We're still waiting to find out what the availability will be like, if we can get a hold of those stories anywhere else, if they'll be available digitally. Uh, I have some, I'm, I'm interested to see because DC's content is not all super kid friendly and I've seen some of the books they're putting in there, but like, I feel like people can handle it. We'll see how that all goes. Right. Um, I, I, there's a Wonder Woman story in Justice League, uh, that I am excited for. Uh, I think it's a cool initiative. I do too. I'm really happy for it. What do you think? I think that I, when I was a kid and I discovered new books, it was because I just stumbled into them. Like I was like on a spinner rack, you just find this thing. And yep. that was when they were more available. They were at CVS's and Revco's and all those things more. Now it's harder to find that. Yes. Even Barnes & Noble, they don't carry comics all the time. So the Walmart having these, I think it's a great opportunity for kids, like you said, to get a new book. And it's great for their parents to just be like, I don't know, but it's one. Like it's an, it's an issue that you can just have and it's everything. And it's a hundred issues. I mean, a hundred pages. So you know, they're getting a varied amount of story. And I'm a huge Tom King fan, a huge Bendis fan. So the fact that they're taking on like each other's characters in a way it kind of feels like this yeah. fun elseworld so i'm so. interested as a geek and i love what it represents i think it's going to also half sweaties who are like ah, i don't i don't feel like going to the comic book store they're going to be at walmart and be like okay i, I gotta get that this is going to just really on uh, the conversion rate son don't forget to get to subscribe to heroes on podcast one and itunes you can subscribe and never miss a sweaty episode you might not see our darling faces but you can listen to us and don't get in a car accident when we get loud and sweaty. So anyway, we're going to be there at, in Las Vegas. It's literally a few days away. The amazing Las Vegas Con, June 29th to July 1st. There is a special Heroes panel at 6 p.m. on Friday. Koi's going to be there. We're trying to get Amy. I don't think she's going to be able to make I it. can't but make gonna, it. Are you going to be at San Diego Comic Con? Maybe? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, bring your poster. We're going to have some exclusive posters only available at the amazing Las Vegas Con that she could sign at San Diego Con. So you have to bring that poster. Get, get a poster roll and be like, eh, no, no crinkling. So anyway, we're going to be there. Definitely come. We've got a lot of, like, just go to the website. There's a ton of Collider stuff. We're doing a lot of panels. Like I said, I'm doing a panel on Sunday uh, with Ron Lim and Jim Starlin talking about 
all of their incredible creations. We're going to go from Silver Surfer to Thanos. We're going to get sweaty about it. And the Friday Collider Heroes panel. Plus, we'll be at booths all three days when we're not gambling and winning, winning mad money. That's mad what, money. No losing, just winning. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> so definitely come. It's coming this weekend. <clears throat> Roka, can we do two Twitter questions? What do you sure. think? Sure. All right, here we go. <laughs> we'll start off. Do you think Ross will have a role? It's Cyan Hughes says, do you think Ross will have a role to play in Avengers 4, like Unleash the Abomination or let Bruce Banner have a reunion with Betty? What do you think? I think we'll see him again. I don't know how much a side plot we'll get with the Hulk because there's so much business on the table. Right. Um, but I would bet on seeing him, and I would, especially if we if we end up doing any kind of flashback or alternate universe thing, I think that would be a great opportunity for uh, Betty Ross. What do you think? I think he's been gone a long time. I think he's influential in the government. I think that the actor's strong enough. I think he's a scroll. All right. Let's go to. Uh, I think that's why he comes let's back. Let's go. I agree. I think. I think they'll, Ross will be in there, but he's not going to be. He'll play the same kind of role that he played in Avengers: Infinity War. Um, let's go to question three with Steve Folks asking question for the show. In the last ten years, we've seen a tremendous uptick in interest in comics and pop culture, the movies. So why, how are comic book stores not experiencing the golden age from the windfall of kids now taking interest? Well, I think we talked a little bit about that just in our previous thing, talking about one hundred page giants. I think because comic book stores are specialty stores, they're specialty markets mm-hmm. for comic book people who buy comic books. So it's a bit of a closed market, so to speak. It's not advertised outside of that world. There's these previews magazines that are advertised in store where you have to buy them in store. <laughs> they're not just out there like, hey, what's this? It's the New York Times in previews magazine. <laughs> That's not how it works. You got to go inside a comic book store to get that inside knowledge about the comics that are coming out. So I feel like. With this step that DC is taking with Walmart, I think that opens it back up to the wide populace of America to open back up the idea of, oh, this is a comic book. It's a 100-page giant with these familiar faces. I would love to see Marvel follow suit and do the same thing. I think it's incredibly smart. Um, That will get people more interested in comic book stores, and I think it will increase the comic book numbers. What are your thoughts, Amy? So what's interesting here is that it's tough to track down actual numbers on the size of the comic book market, and that uh, we need another hour. Um, Like Somebody recently released some stats that said basically April single issues have sold at almost the same level for 20 years, which sounds insane to me. Even as a person who's worked in a shop for years, that they've been that stable. And there have been a flood of new readers and new interest. They are balanced out against people aging out, against people giving up single issues, against other concerns. Um, But what you'll see is that, like, the book market is exploding. Because if people get access to stuff in bookstores and other things, that is actually going nuts. Um, And I think that you can potentially have a similar thing with Walmart. So essentially, what you're saying, what you're asking for is happening, but it's happening in unexpected ways and forms. And comics just has to adjust to that and find people where they are. Yeah, I think because of the tremendous pop culture hit that all of the superhero movies have had on our culture, mm-hmm. the entire world really, um, that so many people are like know these characters that we've known most of our lives. Other people are like, oh, Captain Marvel. And we're like, how do you know about that? <laughs> you might be like, ah, I'm not going to bother you with all this inside knowledge, insider baseball kind of like, don't worry about it. It's for us sweaties. I'll I'll say, no, I know what you're talking about. What? So it's kind of weird. The first Carol Danvers trade has been on back order for two months straight. Wow. Uh, so, so it's going crazy. There's just literally not enough of them. Okay. I think trades are more of a thing than floppies. I think that the more people get into them, they want to have a lot of stories at once. I think the reason comics are tricky individually is because it's four bucks for a sixth of a story. So we like that. And I love collecting. That's why I still buy floppies because I 
I collect, but I understand how people would not be as drawn to like issue 37. So I think the trick is to do 100 page issues and I think trades and all that stuff and listen to people like us that want to involve you and tell you what to start reading and all those things. So I think with communication, I think with the internet, we can bring comic stores back and that's my mission. Yes. Well, good mission, Coy. We're on this mission together. <laughs> Let's do it. You've been watching Collider Heroes. We'll all see you at Comic-Con or Las Vegas or on Wednesday. Goodbye. <laughs> Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you want that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.